Hello and welcome to this podcast on personalised nutrition. I'm Nikki Hancox, co-editor of Nutri Ingredients, and I'm joined by Miguel Toribio Mateas, a clinical neuroscientist, researcher, nutrition practitioner, and director of nutrition and health research for the biotech startup Atlas Biomed. Hello, Miguel. Hi, Nikki. Thanks for having me on the on the show today. <laughs> no problem. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm really keen to get inside your head, as I know you have a wealth of knowledge when it comes to digital health. Um, would you maybe just be able to tell us a little bit more about yourself, um, just to give the audience a bit of background on your career, and maybe just tell us a little bit more about Atlas Biomed? I went back to university after my uh, um, uh, nutrition uh, education to study neuroscience, clinical neuroscience, mm-hmm. and I was really interested in the gut-brain connection and the and how what happens in the gut actually doesn't stay in the gut, and, and and particularly how it affects things like mood and cognitive function and so on. So mm-hmm. I've been working in that kind of area, trying to develop different different products for different people until I ended up working with Atlas with them for a while now in in different roles and lately as as you mentioned as director of nutrition and health research is a role in in R&D the creation of new uh, products of so product development and uh, and research so having had my my eyes on the ground and, and knowing uh, what happens in the day to day quite useful because what happens in in any emerging science is that uh, you can go very far in the laboratory but then the translation into the real world can take years and uh, and when you're evolving at kind of light speed that evolution actually there's there's a time lag between the, that what people are actually expecting from research and science and what can be said in terms of like health claims and so on yeah. and we're trying to speed that up ethically and robustly by creating the science as and not just providing products but actually engaging with academic institutions so we have the science behind to be able to say you know, if you eat more broccoli, this is what actually happens because we've seen it in a clinical trial. But at mm-hmm. the same time, to collect data from the real world, so creating a kind of like pipeline of uh, data that 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 fits from the real world into a product um, development application that is based on science. That's that's my that's my bag basically. A bit of a mixed bag, but an interesting one, I think. <laughs> Excellent. So there will be some people listening who don't know about Atlas Biomed yet. Mm-hmm. So can, can you just explain exactly what that service is? Yeah, so Atlas is a, is a biotech company, essentially, uh, specializing in personalized health. It's, it's based in the UK, in Europe, and it's got a big research base in Moscow, in Russia. It's basically got two products. So if you look at the product profile, it's got a microbiome test and a DNA test. It's using so the latest technology that there is to analyze whether it's your, your little bit of food that you put in a bottle to analyze mm-hmm. your, uh, your, your gut bacteria or your DNA, which is very simple. It's a little bit of saliva. And, uh, and the idea is that you, you have access to either of those. You already have some insights. But at the same time, if you have the two, if you know about your genes and you know about your microbiome and you put the two together, there's going to a nice overlap. So you have more acute uh, applicable insights to your own health than if you have just one or the other. But we're asking people to uh, provide us with an insight on their life as well. So they complete a questionnaire. This is where the real world data comes from. You, you buy a, a microbiome test and you take 10 minutes with a, a nice cup of tea, uh, fill out a questionnaire when you get your test in the post. And that is part of the registration process. And we use that 
as an anonymized piece of data about you to then create correlations. So if you tell me that you have a sweet tooth, for example, and then I know that your um, lactobacilli are low, can I create a correlation between that? So I start spotting a trend if I see thousands of people telling me the same thing. And this is where, in a way, we're doing a little bit of citizen science. We're using that data, and we're also working with the universities and, uh, and industry. Um, in product development, so their own product development, we can talk about that, but also in clinical trials. So let's talk about personalised nutrition in general. We know that Mintel and Euromonitor International actually have both recently picked out personalised nutrition as one of the key trends for the next decade. Um, We know that consumers are increasingly willing to hand over their personal data for the sake of personalised health experiences with the hope that they, they can get their sort of the best health outcomes in the simplest and quickest way, I suppose. Um, it's quite amazing that consumers are so open to this, especially British consumers who are traditionally a bit uh, less trusting, a bit more cautious. Why do you think it is that consumers are more than happy nowadays to lose this element of their privacy for the sake of diet and exercise advice? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I think it's, it's, uh, it's to do with the fact that when you are putting that personal data into a pot of data that other people are actually contributing to, uh, you know that the recommendations that you get are going to be um, more refined every time. There's a longer tradition in doing this in, for example, um, sports apps. So if you look at Strava, for example, and these kind of apps mm. that are hugely popular this is exactly what you're doing you're telling the app this is the run that i'm doing this is the these are the calories i'm burning and and by giving that insight all the time they can tell you better the kind of things that you should do next especially when you're sharing that with people because it's a huge element of sharing data as well which that has been going on for a long while already in 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 different apps that strava for example is uh, basically competing with people who you choose so there's that element of like competition that that but that is driving part of the development in, in digital health. And, uh, and I think people are excited by the fact that when you put something in that pot of data, if you get a better recommendation later, and the more data we get from more people, the better those recommendations get because we get to test those associations um, with larger numbers so they become more robust. And people, people are excited to become part of these different virtual communities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the kind of thing that a couple of generations ago, people would be horrified by the idea of sharing that kind of information. But when it's for the sake of being able to improve in your next run, you can make sure you, you've got the absolute ultimate outcome for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think are some of the biggest challenges for a startup company getting into the personalized nutrition? And what are some of the biggest challenges for a large, well-established company? It's been suggested before that collaboration is necessary for both these parties to prosper in this space. Do you agree with this? I agree. Uh, I think that's why Atlas is successful and it will be even more successful when some of the things that are cooking at the moment actually materialize because there's a... That collaboration, I believe, is essential. The collaboration with with the sources of scientific data that supports even those fun claims. If they come out of a clinical trial that has got all the trimmings, you know, the precise kind of uh, uh, methodology that's that's peer reviewed, that is run at a reputable university, that carries a lot more weight than just doing something in our own laboratory. And so that 
collaboration with with the um, academic world that I feel is is essential, and and also the collaboration with the uh, with industry. So um, we've had very successful collaborations with people who have sources of probiotics. So for example, Chuckling Goat has been one of the people that we work with as a, they make kefir in a farm in Wales. And they, we had the idea of working together and actually offering a, a microbiome test and uh, having a course of kefir and then repeating the microbiome test and seeing what happens after that. Um, that that kind of collaboration with that one company. We had other companies like Rhythm Kefir, which is coconut based, so vegans out there, plant-based people may not want to have their dairy products and may want to have something alternative. So, so again, if you have that kind of data and that data is then validated by work with universities, then that's that's fantastic. That's I, I think is the key for the key for success. So do you think it's going to become almost imperative to any company involved in consumer health that they provide a personalised element to their service? We're seeing many more businesses rolling out apps alongside their products to allow people to track different elements of their health. Um, do you think this is going to become the norm and almost essential in order to retain brand loyalty? I believe that will be the case, yes. And, uh, and also one of the biggest trends um, in recent years has been real-world evidence, and particularly in the pharma um, um, sector, where they look at the very tightly controlled environment for a clinical trial, where they need to be very precise as to the type of individual who will qualify for the clinical trial, the type, the, the profile of person in terms of age, gender, um, pre-existing conditions, um, or lack thereof, you know, all of this kind of stuff. You create the ideal person that you need for that trial. You put them in, in a, as close kind of environment as possible so you can control it. And then you give them the, the drug basically that you're developing and you, you, you assess what happens in terms of what is your endpoint for that trial. What are you trying to assess? Has the inflammation gone up or down, or you know, various different things? When you're looking at product development, it's a little bit different, but it, it follows a, a very close kind of uh, pattern to that. You're looking at pharma, then implementing uh, real-world evidence into those um, uh, into those processes of drug development. This has boomed in the last probably five years. It's something that nobody even knew about. If you run a search on Google for real world evidence 10 years ago, it wasn't even popping up. If you run a world, uh, uh, that, that same search now, it's, it's everywhere. That company is actually specializing in this. Why? Because um, pharma companies are interested in knowing what happens to the person 10 years later and can we assess that in a longitudinal kind of way? Can we ask them to rate themselves on, on various different things that are not necessarily involving a blood test or a urine test or imaging or anything like that. It's something they can do from an app at home and we can collect all that data. And it could be that uh, that person has actually left the trial in terms of uh, taking uh, the drug or they are actually part of the trial, but they are not taking the drug. They kind of like measuring what happens, you know, years later if they've been on that drug for a, a period of time. But they are still collecting that data on a, on a daily basis or monthly basis or weekly basis. This is trying to translate this into the world of creating a, a functional cookie or you know a, a snack bar or a cereal. 
companies will want to know what is happening functionally to these people who are using their product and they're going to want to ask them. So this is going to become, I think in five years, I wouldn't even give it five years, but let's say in five years time, I think it will be strange to find a product from a, one of the big players, you know, we're talking, you know, we're talking Kellogg's and Unilever and all these kinds of people who are not asking you to feedback because this is the perfect opportunity to blend science with market research and to actually give those people what they are looking for in a much shorter space of time and shortening the cycle of product development and, and, and giving them what they are actually aching for. So if, you know, if they spot a trend in the market for more plant-based things, you know, they can introduce a, a product that is entirely plant-based to replace one that had dairy for, or if they spot a trend for lower sugar, then they're going to either replace the sugar with a, a, a sweetener that is natural, if that's what people want, or they're going to re, you know, lower the sugar dramatically. Instead of actually waiting for years and waiting for policy from government to kick in and all of this kind of stuff that can take um, an absolute um, eternity to materialize, they, they will have ac direct access to the consumer. There's a huge trend in big data anyway, in kind of uh, processing these really large numbers of, uh, of insights into something that is tangible and meaningful. And it's not going to be very long, I believe, before this happens. Um, so uh, having then the ability to blend this with biological data coming from DNA and, uh, or microbiome or both, is that again is where the unique the the USP for Atlas um, is uh, in my in my view because if we're working with a a food manufacturer creating something that actually changes lactobacilli or changes bifidobacteria or changes acromantia or changes any of these bugs that are trendy and people are talking about and they are known to be scientifically robustly um, um, conducive to health in a number of different fields, then you can start creating a cereal that might be good for mental well-being or a, a snack bar that might be good for IBS or all of this kind of stuff. So I think it's, um, it's going to be a very exciting space. So it's just, it's almost as much for the company as it is for the consumer um, to provide that personalized element. It allows the company to have that direct link with their consumers to find out what they're doing, uh, what they want, what they don't want, what they would like done differently. So it creates that two-way communication, which is obviously a huge element of um, marketing brands now. So everyone wins. Everybody, yeah, and, and you see, again, you in a way, just like Apple releases a product and then based on the success of a specific feature, then that becomes the, the feature that all of the products two years down the line will have, you know, like the yeah. uh, finger identification or, you know, a uh, specific type of camera or something. They launch it in one product, then they see how that goes. And then two years later, you may find that all of the products on on all of the lines have got that same camera that was unique two years ago. So that, that same kind of model is, is traveling across different disciplines and we're looking at, we're trying to copy that from social media. So social media now means that people can interact with each other in ways that we didn't before. We can DM each other. We can, yeah, I can DM Lady Gaga and say, how are you? Whether she's going to reply to me or not, that's another matter. But I can, you know, she's available there. She's allegedly, I can tweet to her and, uh, you know, ask her to reply. So, you know, that was unheard of like 10 yeah. years ago. Yeah. 
So this kind of stuff is basically allowing us to, to be in close communication with people. And of course, social media is fun, but you'll know as well that it's a huge driver of big data as well and, and insights for marketing. So when you're looking at uh, then transferring that to a, the development of a product that has got a value um, therapeutically, and there's a lot that can be copied from that model. So asking people in a, in a gamified way, in a fun way, it's, it doesn't feel like, a, like you're on this kind of like dry and convoluted clinical trial having to answer all of these questions that take you 20 minutes and they are very difficult. You need to really think it's like a game, it's colorful, it's playful, you feel engaged with the process and the, the people receiving the data are kind of like saying, okay, this, all the fun is on the surface, but then I'm getting all these insights that are allowing me to serve you better because what I'm going to tell you in three months time is going to be a lot more accurate based on, on you playing with the, with the apps. Where does the UK sit in comparison to the rest of the world in terms of interest in personalised nutrition? Because like I mentioned before, the UK tends to be a more cautious audience, right? So um, are they far ahead in terms of uh, catching on to this trend? Or I, uh, I actually think that the UK is pretty much up for this kind of uh, um, um, service. Um, you know, going back to my work at, at My Gut, that, that was a a very kind of like rough and ready startup on the microbiome. And that was uh, back in 2014, 15. And when microbiome was really starting to be kind of like mainstream, um, of course, people knew about guts, gut health and so on, but now it's everywhere. And I remember we had a, a feature in one of the uh, big papers. It was a very kind of, a, you know, nice and happy feature to do with weight loss and so on and that went completely viral it was uh, it was unheard of and mm. so uh, the, the interest is very tangible in this kind of stuff uh, I out and, and also I'm, I'm in close touch with people in Europe I would say that the UK within uh, the kind of uh, European uh, arena it's, it's probably leading the way in that kind of stuff if you talk to people in Spain or Italy, France, Germany, there is interest, but not at the same level as there is in the UK. And the volume is definitely UK is leading in the whole of this kind of uh, Western Europe uh, area. Uh, so regulation somewhat behind when it comes to personalized nutrition, but are there any regulations that you think are likely to be needed in this area or that you think are going to be brought into play here? Uh, you're right. Uh, it's it's an emerging area, and as such, it uh, benefits from that kind of like lack of tight regulation. But at the same time, there are opportunities for people like Atlas to be leaders in the field by going the extra mile and actually getting a medical device certification, for example, which is given to the whole of the of the process of the microbiome and the DNA collection. So that's is basically, it's, it's all medically certified. So it's, it carries the CE mark, which basically means the whole kind of a process, the whole of the materials in the box are actually certified as a, as a medical device. And we're also very close to achieving ISO um, standards as well. Um, so we're going through that kind of a validation process. Um, so uh, it's, I think it's a joint responsibility for both regulators and also industry to meet in the middle. So rather than actually for regulators to push for 
industry partners to meet the standards, if industry partners who are actually proactive, like Atlas, go the extra mile to the point that when it comes to regulation, the regulations are met because you already are behaving as if you were completely regulated and you had to abide by the highest standards of regulation, that's the ideal standard. And that's, uh, that's something that I feel very confident in, uh, in, uh, in Atlas um, delivering at that level, just because we are actually ahead of that, of that regulation. Mm. I guess the other area where uh, regulation could come into place would be around sort of data yeah. and privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think that companies can do to make sure consumers can trust them with their personal data? Sure. So all the data is is handled following GDPR, of course. Uh, as in going forward and sharing your data with potential partners who might be interested in, in those personal insights developed products. I think when we get into specific areas of product development where we might be wanting to liaise with individuals who are taking the, the tests uh, for a particular project that will be, we are committed to making that absolutely clear. So people actually know that their personal data might be used for the development of a new cookie or a new cereal or a new kefir or a new sauerkraut. And, and that's the commitment of the of the whole R&D um, uh, department and the company. Yeah, so it's not so much that um, consumers aren't going to be happy with you doing certain things mm. with their data. It's just a case of being open about yeah, it exactly. and allowing them to opt out or opt in. Yeah. Um, because like we've said, it seems that they're more than happy, actually, in most cases, to provide their data to help with cre- the creation of products and services that are only going to benefit them. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Um, I think uh, we should probably touch on the subject of coronavirus um, because obviously this is something that's turning people's purchasing and dieting and exercising habits on their heads. Um, and my expectation is that personalized nutrition companies are going to be seeing a rush of interest as people look for ways to focus and create new exercise goals without their gyms or their classes or their personal, uh, personal trainers. So how do you think digital health companies can use this time to drive interest in their services? Um, but also make sure they're doing this in an ethical way. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about what Atlas is doing. Uh, yeah, so certainly without getting too much into, into the actual COVID kind of um, chat, it's, it's, it's about the acknowledgement that people are spending a lot more time online yeah. uh, and, uh, and that creates an opportunity for anybody who has anything to say online to provide really good quality uh, information to those individuals who are now potentially you know looking for things to do that they didn't think about before they have more time to reflect and and they captive audience exactly yes absolutely and 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 we already know that there's a huge interest in in personalized nutrition and uh, and personalized health so what i can tell you is that i'm working on a on a couple of projects one is a course that is going to be validated by a university and uh, will be fully available online for uh, healthcare professionals who want to take uh, a little bit of a step further into knowledge of the microbiome and how that is related to to health and uh, there will be more about this coming um, in the future I'm sure we'll be talking about it in the future in future um, sessions 
And another thing that we're working on in the more immediate future as well is uh, new things. One is an education program for everybody. So it's basically not just for healthcare professionals, but also for anybody at home who has an interest in this area. And it's going to consist of uh, uh, podcasts and uh, videocasts, uh, videos, and specific articles that people will be able to, uh, to read to educate themselves as to things that they might be able to do at home. So that's, uh, that's coming very, very soon. So I'm working on that um, as, as we speak. And lastly, we're also looking at how data that we have on people from their microbiome and DNA can be used to give them more, a, a better awareness of how to keep their immune system protected in times where people have a heightened kind of a awareness of what the immune system is. You know, many people may have gone through their lives thinking, okay, the immune system, I heard that in, you know, in school or something, but I don't really know exactly what it's doing. I know it's protecting me. Suddenly we know all about it because everybody's talking about us in the, uh, about it in the news. So we're going to be focusing on, uh, uh, on that a lot in, in future weeks. Just not from a atlas it's going to allow you to cure COVID or to prevent COVID or anything along those lines, but more of, a, of an awareness of how to keep your body um, healthy in the face yes in the face of this kind of uh, heightened awareness of how it is actually quite important to stay healthy if nothing else for your mental well-being to be quite honest just to you know if you're going to be stuck at home for a, um, a number of weeks how do you manage your your mental well-being and also your 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 fitness your you know because some people are actually taking this opportunity to do more sport at home you know, maybe you know a home gym or something but a lot more people may not be doing this and they're going to end up feeling a bit more unfit than they were initially so there's a number of angles that we're making an opportunity taking this opportunity to reach out to more people of again simple things so along the lines of what we talked about with the app and the uh, gamified approach and so on simple things that people can do to to stay healthy and and to optimize their well-being yeah i think that's a really good point putting it across as a way to educate people mm -hmm. and help people advise people what they can do at this time with podcasts and webinars and other videos um and then as a side note that's an opportunity for these companies to say hey we can help you with that if you'd like to yeah um, you know continue to test your performance or um test your different health um biomarkers then we can help you do that um yeah. But like you say, it's obviously just important to stay conscious, not to be making any claims about being able to reduce the risk of this virus that we really don't know anything about yet. Exactly. So. Yeah, that's very important. Absolutely. Okay, excellent. Well, I think I ought to wrap things up here. Um, but it's been fantastic talking to you, Miguel. Um, thank you so much for lending me your time today. Absolutely. No, my pleasure. It's been great. And I hope we'll, uh, it will be the first of many and we'll be discussing other, other subjects in the future. Absolutely. Perhaps immunity next. Um, I <laughs> yes. know you're busy hosting lots of podcasts and webinars of your own at the moment, so I'll be tuning into those. Great. Um, looking forward to hearing your insights through those as well so i think all that's left for me to say here is thank you very much everyone for listening stay safe stay well and bye for now